Second Chronicles chapter 16 this morning, please. Second Chronicles 16, verse 1. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Baasha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded king Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked Ejon, Dan, abel Maam, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Baasha heard it that he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work. Then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones and timber of Ramah, which Baasha had used for building, and with them he built Geba and Mizpah. And at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet... Because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Note that the acts of Asa first and last are indeed written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And in the thirty-ninth year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His malady was severe, yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. So Asa rested with his fathers. He died in the forty-first year of his reign. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, and I pray today as we look at this perhaps uh, practical topic today, I pray it's helpful. Lord, I, I know it's been helpful to me to think it through, and I pray that it's helpful to all of us as we consider it today. Lord, it's been a wonderful day in the Lord's house. We can say amen and go home right now, and we would have been blessed beyond measure. We would have heard the gospel in these wonderful old hymns of the faith. We would have uh, celebrated and remembered the cross of Christ around the Lord's table. We would have fellowshiped with believers. We would have worshipped. We would have praised. We would have prayed. We would have done so many things. And we would have already gotten so much of the Word in what we've already experienced. But, Father, we pray that for these few moments as we look once again at your Word, that, Father, you'd yet speak. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me, Lord, to preach. Help me to do so fearlessly. Help me, Father, to say the things I should and say nothing else. And I pray today, Lord, that there'd be nothing in my heart, nothing in my life that would hinder me, uh, my usefulness to you. I just pray, Father, that this would be your time. And when it's all said and done, nobody remember anything else but you. So uh, bless the time, bless this message. It's your word. We pray we'd approach it as such, and you'd speak through me. And uh, we'd all hear it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Asa was one of the kings of Judah. In the text that we read this morning, we see that he had a weakness in him. He had a tendency toward self-reliance rather than seeking God in prayer. We see that a couple of places. Look at verse number 7. 
uh, when Hanani the seer came to him and said, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God. There's a picture of it. In verse number 8, Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand? There was a time when he had relied on God rather than on himself. But in verse 7, he had not. And we get down to verse number 12, of course. In the 39th year of his reign, he became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord but the physicians. When he turned to God in prayer, good things happened. But unfortunately, Asa was the kind of a king that uh, more often than not neglected to turn to God in prayer and relied on his own, uh, his own power, tried to do things under his own steam and failed. Well, I want to use those thoughts this morning kind of as a launch pad. I'm really not going to talk so much about Asa today. I just want to use that thought to consider something that has been on my heart and on my mind lately, and that is this. What do we do when we don't feel like praying? You see, there's, there's, there's really three thoughts that are working around in my mind. The first one is this. I, I know I'm supposed to pray, right? And you know that too, right? We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to be a people of prayer. But here's the second thought, and, and we cannot escape this thought, and that is that sometimes we don't feel like praying. I know that's true of me. Sometimes we don't feel like it. And so then the third one is, what should I do when I don't feel like praying? So if, if you want to kind of follow along with my thought processes this morning, that's where we're going to go. I know I'm supposed to pray. Sometimes I don't feel like praying. What do I do when I don't feel like praying? Hopefully it'll be a very practical message today. It'll just use this example from Scripture as a launch pad, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. So let's think about that first thought, first of all. Uh, I, I know I'm supposed to pray, and you know that too, right? We're supposed to pray. There are many things that as Christians we ought to do, not because the doing of them in some way saves us, but because we are saved. And they're helpful to us and pleasing to God once we are saved. Prayer would be one of those things. I mean, the Scripture is clear. I think we've preached this enough times that, that, that you know uh, where we stand on this as a church, where I stand on this as, a, as an individual believer and as a preacher. There is no amount of doing something that will save you. Amen? No amount. If you're lost, it's not because you have done too little in the way of good works. If you're saved, it's not because you have done enough in the way of good works to earn your way into heaven. Islam teaches that. Christianity teaches just the opposite. The only good work that will save is the work that Jesus Christ wrought in our place on the cross of Calvary. That which we remember just a moment ago as we took the bread and the juice in remembrance of what he did on the cross. There's, there's this wonderful Bible word that describes it. It's the word propitiation. I can hardly ever say that word without spitting up here. Propitiation. But it's one of my favorite Bible words. It's a glorious word. It means covering. It means atoning sacrifice. It means uh, satisfaction. Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. Meaning that he is the covering for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. If the Bible is clear that our sins demanded hell, that our sins demand death, and it certainly is clear of that, is it not? Ezekiel, the soul that sins, it shall die. Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. It's clear about all that. The very first thing that we ever read in the Bible about the impact of sin on the human race was when God said, the day that you eat thereof, you will die. And so if the Bible is clear 
that death is the penalty for our sin, it is equally clear that Jesus' death on the cross was the payment for our sin. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. 1 John 2, 2. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The covering for our sins. The atoning sacrifice for our sins. The satisfaction for our sins. On the cross, Jesus died in our place. As our substitute on the cross, Jesus died in our place as payment for our sins. On the cross, Jesus died in our place, the propitiation for our sin. So what good work are you going to add on top of that? What good work do you think is going to augment what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross to pay the price for your sins? Islam teaches that on the great day of judgment, there's going to be a giant scale. And on one side is going to be all of your sin, and on the other side is going to be all of your good works. And whichever one is heavier is going to determine, maybe, where you're going to go. If your good works outweigh the bad, Allah might let you in. Actually, in Islam, there's no guarantee. But in Christianity, it's just the opposite. Christianity says your sins are so heavy that no matter how many good works you pile on this side, you can't budge that an inch. And Jesus Christ's payment on the cross is so heavy that no matter how many sins you have piled on this side, he outweighs it. And the sin is paid for. The only good thing you need to do in order to be saved is to accept and to believe that. John chapter 6 and verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. My prayer for you is that you've done that. I think most people in this room have. I hope you all have. If you have questions about that, let's talk about it after the service today. But all that being said, and, and, and all that foundation being laid, that no thing we might do can save us, we also must remember that there are many good things that we ought to do once we are saved, there are many things the Bible teaches we should be doing. I mean, the Bible teaches us plainly that as Christians we ought to be reading our Bibles often, that we ought to be meditating in His Word. The Bible teaches us plainly that we ought to regularly and faithfully attend and participate in the life of the local church. You're here this morning. You're doing that. Praise the Lord. The Bible teaches that we ought to witness whenever and wherever we can about what Jesus has done for us. But the fact He's the propitiation. For our sins. Let's see how many times I can get that word in here today. Propitiation. That we ought to use the gifts the Holy Spirit has entrusted to us for the good of the local church. That we ought to give financially to the support of the church. That we ought to love one another. All these things the Bible teaches we ought to do. But here's the one that we're concentrating on today. That we ought to pray. The Bible makes it plain that as Christians we ought to pray often, always, fervently, repeatedly, believingly. We ought to pray. I know that. You know that, right? Say amen. You know that. The Bible says it over and over. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Luke 18.1, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Ephesians 6.18, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Colossians 4, 2, continue in prayer. 
and watching the same with thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. First Timothy 2.8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. That's a few verses, a few places in the Bible where it says we ought to pray. So that's my first thought this morning. I know I ought to pray. And you know you ought to pray. Here's the second thought. I don't always feel like praying. Am I alone in that? Of course, I know I'm not because I just read your story from Scripture to uh, make it clear that I'm not alone in that. I mean, here's a real example from the Bible of a man who knew he ought to pray but didn't, whether it was from neglect or whatever. And there's other, there's other Bible examples that we could cite. The fact is there are times I don't feel like praying, and I'm sure that you are the same way, whether it is uh, from neglect or, or whatever. I don't feel like it, or I forget to pray or neglect to pray. For Christmas this year, I received a 3D printer. And so I've been playing with it constantly, printing all, all these little trinkets. And one of the things, one of the things recently I was reading in some book, we're going to have to move my wife into another room when I'm preaching. <laughs> one of the things that I read recently was about a preacher, and I don't remember who it was, but he had a little sign on his desk that helped him greatly, and all the little sign said was pray first. That was it. So I thought, ooh. Something for me to print on my 3D printer. So I printed this little little thing that says pray first, and I put it on my desk down there. And I, you know, I was, I'm astonished at how many times I've walked into my office, my brain laden down with all kinds of things I need to accomplish for the day. Unfortunately, praying first is usually not there. And I sit down, and I unload my briefcase, I do all these things, and I look, and there's that little thing that says pray first. And it astonishes me for a couple of reasons. Uh, it astonishes me that I don't remember it without that dumb, stupid piece of plastic. But I'm thankful it's there. Because it helps me. And I'm reminded of the importance of praying first. The unpleasant truth I have to confront, and I think we all have to confront, is just sometimes we don't feel like praying. And uh, I don't think I'm alone in it. There's all kinds of reasons why, I suppose. Sometimes it's weariness. Sometimes we just get wore out. Sometimes we're just shot. And prayerlessness stems from that sometimes. Sometimes it's depression. I don't know. Do you ever get depressed? I get that way sometimes. And when you get that way, it feeds prayerlessness. You don't feel like praying. It puts you in the land of prayerlessness. Sometimes anger can do the same thing. I confess that sometimes I get mad. Sometimes I get mad at... I'm getting mad right now. But the fact is, anger... Can, can cause prayerlessness. Sometimes it's just sin. Sometimes it's being backslidden. Keeps us off our knees. I'm sure there's many reasons. And you might have a, you might have a similar list. You might have a completely different list. Some people I know don't pray the way they ought to. And when you ask them why they don't pray the way they ought to, uh, the answer comes back, oddly enough, I don't know how. I don't know how. Recently we had, uh, we had a uh, time where I was meeting with people. Uh, throughout the year, uh, trying to interview them as to what, how their Christian life was and get, get, surveying them about the church. You remember that last year. And that was one of the things people said to me a lot when I'd ask them about prayer. I don't know how. And I, and I don't understand that. I really don't because it's interesting. I think Satan does something to us. He gives us, he gives us some kind of an idea that prayer is something fancy, something eloquent, something different. It's some other form of communication. I mean, we have no trouble whatsoever speaking about football. We have no trouble whatsoever speaking about politics. We have no trouble whatsoever speaking about anything else. But when we talk about prayer, it's whoop, 
Everybody gets, I don't know how to do that. Of course you do. Open your mouth, words come out, you talk to God. But we don't know how. And some people, they struggle to pray because they say they don't know how. Some people, I think, would have to admit that they fear the potential answer to their prayer. And therefore, they don't pray. Jonah was one of those. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Now, we can come up with all kinds of reasons why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, but I think the main one is simply this. God had told him to go and preach the word of God to the Ninevites, that they might repent. And Jonah thought to himself, I hate the Ninevites. I don't want to go. That's why he didn't want to go. He was afraid God was going to answer, uh, the, 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 his preaching was going to work. And they were actually going to get saved. Or they were actually going to turn to God. I mean, listen to what the Bible says here in the very last part of Jonah. I, it, it, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. What displeased Jonah exceedingly? That they actually listened when he preached and uh, turned to the Lord. It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a graceful and merciful God, slow to anger and abundance in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. He ran away from God because he was afraid of what God was going to do. And I think an awful lot of times people are afraid of how God is going to answer their prayer. And so they don't pray maybe for that reason. There's all kinds of reasons. We could come up with more, I'm sure. Sometimes we just don't feel like praying. And, of course, we have to mention this reason. There is another reason why oftentimes people don't feel like praying. Uh, and, and, and I, I think... If you're in that boat, and if you, you're honest with yourself and you're saying, I very seldom feel like praying, I almost never feel like praying, you have to ask yourself if you're even a believer. Because the Bible tells me that Christians are indwelt by the spirits of God, and the Holy Spirit helps us pray. And so if your desire to pray is completely absent, then I would suggest it may be because the Holy Spirit is absent. I know that those times when I get so far away from prayer and I, I, I drift far enough that, that, that I, I know I'm not where I ought to be, the Holy Spirit's yelling at me. And you experience the same thing if you're saved. The Bible says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, he helps us to pray. He cries out within us. Romans chapter 8 and, and verse number 26, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, maybe a little off topic, I don't know, but if you never feel like praying, you need to examine that. Paul said, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Are you saved? Are you indwelt by the Spirit of God? Uh, that's something else to think about. But there's a long list. We could think of many other things, but here's what we've said so far. Number one, I know I ought to pray, and number two, sometimes I don't feel like praying. So let's get real practical and let's ask ourselves, what can we do about that? What can we do when we don't feel about praying, feel like praying? And I want to just give you some very practical thoughts. It was my intention to share this two weeks ago on a Wednesday night. Two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I had this prepared, this little list of things to do when you don't feel like praying. And I came in here all excited and prepared on Wednesday night and discovered I had misread the schedule and our brother Dan was sharing that night. So I put it back in my Bible and I thought, all right, I won't, I won't do that until next Wednesday night. And then last Wednesday night, the uh, fire chief, uh, was the only night we could meet with him. And so I had to miss again. And our brother Josh spoke for us on last Wednesday night. So you guys are the recipients today of two weeks of missed Wednesday nights for me. 
and uh, hopefully it'll be helpful. In no particular order, what can we do when we don't feel like praying, number one? Read the Word until you find something worth praying about. Read the Word until you find something worth praying about. There are times when I'm in a prayerless mood that I find something in my Bible that just simply warms my heart. It might be just a word. It might be just a, like the word propitiation. There, I got it in there again. It might, be, it might be just a verse. It might be anything. But sometimes just reading the Bible a little bit, looking for something that will warm your heart, will do it. Kathy likes to say that the, that the word Bible means basic instructions before leaving earth. Is that right? That's good. And oftentimes when we're reading those basic instructions, God will give us something. It will warm our heart and soften our soul and, and help it turn toward God. So try that. If you ever find yourself in one of these prayerless moods, try that. Pick up the Bible and read it. Just look for something that will warm your heart. Number two, when I'm in a prayerless mood and I, I don't feel like praying, I need to remind myself of the many promises regarding prayer in the Bible. Remind myself. You need to remind yourself of the many promises regarding prayer. You know, if the publisher's clearinghouse was to appear on your step tomorrow and tell you that you had won a gazillion dollars and hand you the check, you would believe it, wouldn't you? And you would immediately go cash that check. I certainly would. And, And I think you would, too. But one greater than the publisher's clearinghouse has given us so many promises about answering prayer, more than a few in the Bible. And it helps us sometimes to just remember what the Bible says about that. I'm going to just share a few. Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Psalm 91, verse 15. Psalm 102, he will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. Proverbs 15, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. Isaiah 58, then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer, thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. If you take away from the midst the the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity, thou shalt call and the Lord shall answer. Isaiah 65, it shall come to pass before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Jeremiah 33, 3 is my life verse. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That promise has got me through an awful lot of things. Luke chapter 11, I, I, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. John 14, 14, if ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you can't remember any other promise about prayer, remember that one. If you shall ask anything in my name. I will do it. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will. It should be done unto you. First John three twenty two. whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Sometimes when you don't feel like praying, you just go look up promises to prayer. might be a good idea to write some of them down. Just stick them in your Bible so that when those days come, you can be reminded. So remind yourself of the promises of answered prayer in the Bible. Then remind yourself of of times God has answered prayer for you. When I'm in a prayerless mood, I need to do that. Remind myself of the times God has answered prayer for me. Now, here's a fact. God doesn't always answer my prayers, at least in the way that I would want him to. He doesn't always. Satan likes to depress me by trumpeting that fact. Does he do that to you? 
He likes to remind me of lost souls, not saved, though prayed for. Does he do that to you? He likes to remind me of fervent prayers for marriages that blew to pieces anyway. Does he do that to you? He likes to remind me of sins and struggles in my life for which I've prayed, and they're still there. Does he do that to you? Of course, he knows best. God knows best. And no doubt I pray sometimes for things that are idiotic, and that may be why he doesn't always answer them. C.S. Lewis said, if God had granted all the silly prayers I've made in my life, where would I be now? And it's true. But God has answered my prayers many times over. And regardless of where Satan would like me to think about the other side of that equation, I need to look at this side of that equation because there are many times God has answered my prayers. And many times God has answered your prayers. And it's such a good exercise to look back, to think about it, to remind myself of all the times God has answered prayer in the past in wonderful and marvelous ways. Of all the times that my life verse, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not has been true. And proven true over and over and over again. Try that the next time you don't feel like praying. Remind yourself of all the times he has answered your prayers. Here's number four. When you don't feel like praying, try this. Pray with somebody else. Pray with somebody else. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Pray with somebody else. The early church prayed together. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God of boldness, Acts 4.31. They prayed for Peter's release when he was imprisoned. They prayed together. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Many were gathered together praying, Acts chapter 12. I have lost count of the number of times that I have been in a thumbsucky, ridiculous mood, prayerless mood, not feeling like praying. It seems to happen a lot on Wednesdays when it's time for prayer meeting. I think Satan might have something to do with that. But I have lost time with the number of times, or lost count of the number of times that I have walked into this place and listened to other people pray. And it has wiped that thing right out of my mind. Cured that problem completely. One person said, a place to pray and people to pray with are tremendous motivators to consistent, regular prayer. Praying together is a gift. Praying together with others is a help. Group prayer is a cure for prayerlessness. And it helps us when we don't feel like praying. I mentioned earlier that last year I tried to meet with many of the families of the church and I asked questions about prayer life. And one of the things that I found, I discovered which was interesting to me, was how many people, families in our church don't pray together. Husbands don't pray with wives, and families don't pray together. Some did, but an awful lot didn't. I confess Kathy and I have work to do in that area. We pray together, but we ought to pray more. We need to pray together, Christians. Corporate prayer is powerful. Next time you feel like you don't feel like praying, why don't you try saying to a brother or sister, would you go pray with me? Try that. You might try that today during the invitation when the song is being sung. you got something on your heart. 
You're chicken to walk the aisle. Tap the person beside you on the shoulder and say, would you go with me and pray with me? Powerful, powerful stuff. It'll help. Number five. Here's a really easy one. Very simple one when you don't feel like praying. Get some rest. Get some rest. Elijah under the juniper tree was something we were talking about just last night at game night. Elijah under the juniper tree was wore out. He needed some rest. Sometimes I need some rest. Sometimes you need some rest. Jesus said, come apart and rest for a while. Prayerlessness might just be a reminder that you're wore out. It might just be a reminder that you need some sleep or that you just need some rest. R. Kent Hughes said, prayerlessness is the fundamental sin of the busy Christian. If we're so busy and so wore out that we're not feeling like praying, we're too busy. We're too wore out. And prayer ought not to be the thing we we sacrifice. We need to shut something else out of our life. So get some rest. Number six. Number six, pray for help praying. Pray for help praying. I love the story in Mark chapter 9. story in Mark chapter 9 where a father brought his demon-possessed son first to the disciples and then to Jesus to have the demon cast out of his son, to have his son healed. And he wasn't real sure whether Jesus could do it. He had some doubts. and He expressed those doubts. And Jesus basically said to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And then this man said to Jesus, the Bible says in Mark chapter 9, verse 24, that the man cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. How many times I've prayed that prayer? I'm sure there's many in this room that have prayed that prayer. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I think sometimes we need to pray a similar prayer about prayer. Lord, I'm praying. Help me to pray. You ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I want to be a prayerful person, but I don't feel like praying. Help me to pray. Help my prayerlessness. C.H. Spurgeon said, when you feel disinclined to pray, let it be a sign to you that prayer is doubly necessary. Pray for prayer. And we need to do that. Number seven, and here's the last one. And this one isn't rocket science. It's actually the simplest one of them all. When you don't feel like praying, pray anyway. Pray on. Pray on. When confronted with prayerlessness, pray. When prayer is hard, pray. Pray anyway. Pray on. When all of your being screams against praying, pray harder than ever. Pray without ceasing, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Quoted that earlier, but we didn't really explain it. He wasn't just saying ask once. Literally, that means ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock. Keep knocking. Just pray on. Pray. And pray a lot, Timothy Keller said, especially when you don't feel like praying at all. So I'm done. Let me close with just a couple last thoughts. We know we should pray. The reality of the Christian life is that sometimes we don't feel like praying. So what can we do? I've given you a few suggestions. These help me. I hope they help you. Read the Word until your heart is warmed and and you find something to pray about. Remind yourself of God's promises to answer prayer. Remind yourself of the times God has answered your prayers. Pray with somebody else. Get some rest. Pray for help praying. And pray on. I hope it helps. It helps me. Let me end with just a few quotes. And then we'll pray and we'll be done. One man said one of the best gifts we can give ourselves is time with God. 
H.B. Charles says, pray when you feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray until you feel like it. Spurgeon said, the more we pray, the more we shall want to pray. The more we pray, the more we can pray. The more we pray, the more we shall pray. He who prays little will pray less, but he who prays much will pray more. And he who prays more will desire to pray more abundantly. And finally, I don't know who said this. One man said, the devil can't stop God from answering your prayer. But he can't stop you from praying those prayers. Don't let him. Father God, we're thankful for your word. And Lord, I don't know if this is helpful today. I hope it is. I know I needed it, and I pray that others who maybe needed it, uh, Lord, that you just take it and apply it to hearts. Father, I know that all of us come to these places where prayerlessness is a difficult issue, and I pray that as we think through some of these solutions that we can apply them. And I pray, Father, that whatever people are going through in this room today in, in regard to these things, I pray that you'll help us to be a people of prayer. Lord, we know we ought to pray. Help us to pray. Help us to not let anything stand in the way. And when we do find ourselves struggling with a spirit of prayerlessness, I pray we'd recognize then more than ever the need to pray and to pray more. Help us, Lord. We're so weak and so uh, we so struggle with so many things. Help us, Father, to be a people of prayer. Help us, Lord, to call unto you and uh, watch you answer in great and mighty ways. Lord, you just work in our hearts. Make us a people of prayer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.